Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Father Scott Trainer back in the studio. We're going to talk about the National Eucharistic Revival that will begin on Corpus Christi Sunday, which I believe is June 19th. <laughs> yes? Yes, Bergwald? Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, he comes in to tell us what this thing is about, why we're doing the Eucharistic Revival, and what we can expect in the next couple of years as it's going on. First, we have Dr. Chris Bergwald in studio for Biblical Bites with Dr. B. These are all the pauses. Like, these are, this is a yes. very dramatic. Very dramatic. Very dramatic. Trying thing. something new. Trying. Because <laughs> you're never dramatic. Why. Anyway, <laughs> what's today, Renee? First day, first Sunday, no, 10th Sunday of Ordinary Time? Didn't you say 10? Nope. 19? <laughs> Casey, do you know? 13. Casey's not on mic He's yet. He's not. Chicken. Uh, this week is the 11th uh, week of Ordinary Time. However, today is not the 11th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Because, as both of you know, uh, the Sunday after Pentecost is always... Something Tr- Trinity. Trinity. Yeah. Something Trinity, yes. <laughs> Trinity Sunday. So it's Trinity Sunday, so... Yes. Uh, tricked well, us. Well, I did. <laughs> yeah. You because tricked it's just us. been this way your entire life, Renee. Uh, Trinity Sunday <laughs> sneaking up on you. Oopsies. Uh, so yeah, Trinity Sunday always always comes the, the Sunday after Pentecost. Okay. Well, let me get a raise of hands of the audience out there. Who knew which Sunday it was because you've known it your whole life. Right. Now let's get a raise of hands. Nobody. How many of you in the audience works for the diocese? Work for the diocese. <laughs> Oh, oh, a lot of hands went down there, Renee. <laughs> you know, for the bishop. <laughs> so, Well, you know, nobody's perfect, I guess. <laughs> so here's what I want to offer you. So this is the Sunday that the, 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 um, the, the story is, this is the Sunday that every, every uh, homeless dreads. This is the Sunday oh, where right. if there's a deacon, yes. the, uh, the, 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 the priest will pawn this uh, this. <laughs> So I'm going to pay attention to that to see However, if poor Deacon Pat how, has to do so, so. So here, I'm going to give you, there's a there's an author, Steve Stephen Bullivant, Bullivant, B-U-L-L-I-V-A-N-T. Um, the book is called, it's like the Trinity, the subtitle I love is How Not to Be a Heretic. <laughs> it's a relatively short book. Anybody in the audience right now, I'm sure could read and understand this mm-hmm. book. And Dr. Bullivant um, says there are three, there are three truths um, that that we that go to the heart of the mystery of the doctrine mm-hmm. of the Trinity. There is only one God. Number right. One. Number two, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is each God. Number three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not the same. <laughs> are not each Got other. It. Are not each other. Those, so here's Check. the deal. Here's this the, is why this is a mystery because I don't got it. <laughs> no, no, there's only one God. No, I know, but that's, Plus, some Spirit. of those things seem to contradict each right, other. Right, so, the, the, so, the, so here's seem the important to. thing. Here's the thing that this this year I want to stress for Biblical Bites, because um, you'll hear in the readings about what the early church, if you will, experienced. They experienced the reality. They knew that there was one God. Mm-hmm. Okay, They knew that they were faithful Jews, the, 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 the first Christians, um, had had monotheism beat into their heads by God through his prophets right. for centuries. So one God. Then this guy comes along who starts doing some really amazing stuff and teaching and just like being awesome. Mm-hmm. His name was Jesus. <laughs> that is how they you tell when someone's he's, God is he's being awesome. <laughs> he's, they realize he's the Messiah. And then they realize they're, they're like, oh my gosh, he, 
he's claiming to actually be God, mm-hmm. but he refers to him, but he refers to the father as as someone else. Right. So they experience the reality or the, and their mystery of the Trinity. And that, so they experience, okay, we know there's only one God, but Jesus is God. And then the one who he calls the father is God. Mm-hmm. So what's happening? But they're now? not the yeah. same. Yeah. And there's the Holy Spirit too. So they, they experience, if you will, these three, te- the, the three statements I just gave. And then we've, they, they spent centuries early on really working out. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause some of the, as you said, some of these seem country, what is this? But we hold all three of them and sometimes there could be a tension. So what we try, what people have tried to do is they drop one of them that never works out well. Right. That's right. how you be a heretic. Yes. <laughs> how not to be a heretic. You hold all those teachings true. This is a mystery, but it's it, this is the truth of who God is. Mm-hmm. So my final thing is pray that the Lord would, would draw you into the mystery of who he is as the Trinity. Yeah. Uh, some prayer on that would be super helpful. Amen. Thanks, Dr. B. You bet. In the studio with me today is one of my favorite priests in the whole diocese. Father Scott Trainer is here. Hi, Renee. Great to be with you. Notice I did not say my favorite. One of my favorites. One of my favorites. Yeah. My well, fa- I only paid my... you five bucks to say it, so maybe. <laughs> See, that's where all the others have gone wrong. That's... <laughs> uh, Father Scott has come in to talk to us about the National Eucharistic Revival, Woohoo! which is actually going to be starting in a, from the time this airs a, a week mm-hmm. on Corpus Christi right. Sunday. Uh, which is the 19th of June. Yes. Kickoff is the national kickoff for this three-year process of the National Eucharistic Revival yeah. that our Conference of Bishops has put together for our, yeah. our nation. So we want I want to be able to tell everybody about this because, and we're running this a week before so that they have some time mm-hmm. to prepare because I think it's important we actually prepare for stuff. Mm-hmm. So will you tell us how did this thing come about and why are we doing this? Sure. Uh, so maybe we can start off with like, what is it? Yes. Right. Well, yes. What is it? So it's uh, so the bishops of the United States, uh, people might remember from a few years ago, there was a Pew Research study of a poll of uh, self-identified Catholics mm-hmm. and presenting to them basically, do you understand what the church teaches or do you believe what the church teaches right. about the Eucharist? In which we believe that uh, when the bread and wine are consecrated at the mass, mm-hmm. right, through the ministry of a priest, the bread and wine no longer are bread and wine, but become Jesus Christ, body, right. blood, soul, and divinity. So right. they're basically polling uh, Catholics about their belief or understanding yeah. of that. And it was- We didn't do very well. We didn't do great. No. It, was not, <laughs> it was not, no, not no. five stars on the fridge. No. Okay. No. So the bishops, of course, were, I don't think that was super surprising, right. but it was- you So know, we've seen indications of this coming sure. kind of for a little while. Yeah. Really. And- you know, I think one of the main indications is uh, the number of Catholics who don't regularly attend Sunday Mass. Right, right. So if you only have 30% regular Mass attendance among self-identified Catholics, mm-hmm. clearly people are losing touch with the reality and power of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Right, right, right for sure. So this is, of course, of concern to our bishops. And instead of just sort of fretting, this is what I love about <laughs> this whole thing. Instead of just sort of fretting about it and wringing their hands mm-hmm. like, oh my, my goodness, what are we doing? The bishops are like, there's got to be an opportunity here. What can we do? Right. And in the conversations through the leadership of Bishop Barron uh, in the evangelization committee, and then his successor, Bishop Drew Cousins, our neighboring bishop up mm-hmm. in Kirkston now, um, they hatched this plan for a national Eucharistic revival. Mm-hmm. So a three-year period 
of intense effort uh, across the church in every diocese, every parish, every Catholic organization, things mm-hmm. the Knights of Columbus and Catholic Nothing Daughters. Nothing is going to be left untouched, Catholic I don't universities, think. Catholic yeah. universities, <laughs> right. Like, to mobilize the, the structure of the church in the United States to really bring about a revival of people's uh, knowledge and experience of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. So I just love, and it's a substantial effort as we'll get more into yeah. in our conversation today. Uh, but just to see that the bishops are together in this and saying, yes, this is a great pastoral response to this present reality that this survey has brought to life. Right, right. So what is the goal? And and I kind of want to ask too, besides what is the goal? Mm-hmm. Like, is the goal the same as what maybe your greatest hope is for what happens with this revival? Yes. Okay. So let me just share with you the way they've described the mission and vision. The okay, bishops yes, have described yes. the mission and vision yes. of the Eucharistic revival. And is this my greatest hope? Absolutely. Okay. So listen to this. So the mission is to renew the church by enkindling a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. That's why I'm a priest. That's what that I want why. for every That's human being on the face of the earth. Yes. Right? Thanks be to God. And to bring a little more flesh to that, the vision is uh, not just an event, not just a thing to do right. three years, but in the course of this three years to kickstart a movement of Catholics across the United States healed, converted, formed, and unified by an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist and sent out in mission for the life of the world. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yes. More of that, please. Yes. That's, that's how it should have been happening all along, but we've gotten kind of lazy. So, <laughs> Okay. So this, to me, so this it's sound- a beautiful vision yeah. for what's happening. So the idea is, first of all, that uh, the renewal of the church is going to come through a repeated or a deepening encounter with Jesus, mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. And that when we encounter him, we are in fact healed, converted, formed, and unified uh, through our encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist. And that is the foundation of our ability to give as a gift, to fill out the great commission of the church, right. to give as a gift the gift that we've received in our Catholic faith. Right. So those four things that you mentioned there, mm-hmm. those those are very specific. Yes. And do they kind of have a, like hopes for each one of those or or a, pl- a path for each one of those mm-hmm. things to be able to accomplish them? Yeah. So okay. Bishop Cousins, who's mm-hmm. in charge of this whole mm-hmm. movement on behalf of the bishops mm-hmm. of the United States, uh, when he's talking about the revival, he says, yeah, um, <laughs> he says, uh, we're not uh, implementing a program. We're starting a fire. Right. And I want arsonists everywhere. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) I I want arsonists everywhere for the fire of this Eucharistic revival. So Mm -hmm. the the bishops are providing this vision Mm -hmm. and uh, a a pivoting, uh, sorry to say, kind of a culminating moment in the summer of 2024 in the National Eucharistic Congress, which we'll touch on in a second. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then they're just asking every diocese, every parish, every... Catholic University, every Catholic movement, think, you know, the Augustine Institute and Focus right. and yep. uh, Endow and all the great apostles that we have mm-hmm. uh, across the country to say, the uh, Knights of Columbus, how can you guys step up to uh, do good things mm-hmm. in the service of this vision? Right. So there isn't like a set program like, oh, okay, okay. in this category, we're going to do these three things. Right. They're really calling the church in its different local levels, like a diocese and a parish or mm-hmm. a family to respond to this vision, which by the way, for the diocese of Sioux Falls is very uh, resonant with the way that we're approaching building yep. lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship mm-hmm. through God's love. Mm-hmm. We're happy to provide events at a diocesan level that can't be effectively done at a parish level. Right. What we're really doing is asking parishes and groups in parishes to 
hear this vision, pray about it, and respond to it in their local circumstances. Right. So are they are the parishes left alone to just figure this out by themselves? Uh, I imagine not. <laughs> no, not left alone. Because I feel like that might be a problem if they are. <laughs> So it's the task of the diocese mm-hmm. to kind of encourage parishes to respond. Right. So right. the Discipleship and Evangelization Office uh, is heading up a steering committee mm-hmm. um, of interested lay people to really suggest and encourage parishes to vote. So the, the structure we'll adopt in our diocese, we have a diocesan steering committee. We're going to ask at each deanery level, which are different uh, collections of parishes in our diocese, mm-hmm to appoint a priest and a group of lay people oh, okay. uh, that can be kind of regional leadership. Yep. And then every parish together with their pastor to have a couple parishioners who are helping the pastor to respond as well. Oh, sure. So we think that through that structure, what the what the bishops are offering is a tremendous collection of resources. So mm-hmm. whether it's uh, Bible studies that are put together by the Augustine Institute or uh, through Augustine Institute's foreign platform, mm-hmm. a yep. number of resources are going to be collected for this that anyone can make use of in their local circumstances. Right. Uh, the Knights of Columbus are mobilizing to help oh, with good. Eucharistic processions and knowing mm-hmm. how to do that really mm-hmm. well. And other people like doing what they do, but at the service of this whole revival in our in our country. Right. So parishes aren't going to be left to their own, but they're going to be asked to make a, uh, a local response. A con- and a contribution yeah. uh, to their, yeah. Which brings us maybe a little bit to the structure of how the revival is being set up. So uh, the first two years, the first year, which kicks off uh, June 19th, 2022, Mm -hmm. on the Feast of Corpus Christi, uh, that's when people are probably going to start to hear a lot about the Eucharistic revival. Mm -hmm. That launches the year of the diocese. So uh, each diocese is asked to do diocesan level or regionally within the diocese events that help uh, advance the vision of the revival. And after that first year, to really, especially in that time, to prepare parishes for year two, mm-hmm. which is uh, that parishes will make an effort in their local area, in the area that's covered or cared for by the parish, uh, to, again, to promote these encounters with Jesus where we're healed, converted, formed, and unified mm-hmm. by encountering Jesus in the gift of the Holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So the hope ultimately is that, not that mm-hmm. we're going to retake a survey, but that people no. will understand and embrace the uh, the teaching that that is really Jesus in yeah. the Eucharist. Uh, that's part of it. Part of it. To understand. That's the beginning. <laughs> right? To understand what we believe, right. for sure. That's uh, right. really important. But more important is the encounter with the person of right. Jesus mm-hmm. in the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. And also, in a response in that encounter, how am I empowered by what I receive from Jesus in my personal encounter with him for mission in the world? Right. How do I live? Uh, missionary discipleship in my local circumstances, fueled and inspired by my communion with right. Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So that's how this revival will help us live out the diocesan vision that the bishop gave us. Absolutely, it, yeah. I, I, I can't. I can't tell you how excited I am, Renee. Of <laughs> I can see it; it's written the, all over you right now. <laughs> if you're not watching this on video, you really should see it. It's it's quite animated. <laughs> uh, I just see in in the, again the context of our diocese an amazing. Uh, chain of God's providence, right? right? So uh, a little over two years ago, mm-hmm. maybe two and a half years ago now, we got uh, a new bishop, yep. Donald DeGroote. Yep. And he was inspired by God for this vision for our diocese to build a culture of lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love, right? Right. So we launching in that effort, making mm-hmm. that vision known and helping people just take first steps and responding to it. And that will be a project of decades, no right. doubt. Right, right. Um, then this great book came out from Christendom to Apostolic <laughs> yeah. Mission, just sort of dropped the fall after mm-hmm. a few months oh, after that perfect. vision was rolled out. <laughs> right. And that book really framed 
why is this vision, building a culture of missionary discipleship, why is that so important? Mm-hmm. It, ans- it gives you the history of where we're at as a culture of why we can't just do business as usual. Right. We're, we're no longer in a Christendom age. We're in an apostolic age. And that cause, calls for a new response to a new real situation that we're in right. that totally corresponds to Bishop's vision. So right. it kind of gave the background of why promote the effort of responding to this vision is important. Then out of nowhere, Pope Francis called for uh, the Synod on Synodality. Yep. Have important questions in your local diocese and parishes mm-hmm. about what we're doing and why. Mm-hmm. Well, that was perfectly timed for what we're trying to launch yes. in our diocese. And now the Eucharistic Revival. <laughs> Where in the world uh, are people on an individual and as a community basis, uh, like a family of families in the parish, going to encounter Jesus and mm-hmm. be healed and converted and formed and unified in order to more fruitfully impact the culture around us, right. to sh- start shaping the right. culture around us instead of just being shaped by it. And so the the amazing sequence and timing of those things, which none of us planned. <laughs> it seems all random, and astonishing. it kind of was, but yeah. It's God works in really weird ways, doesn't he? <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to go back to the parish response or they yeah. left their, on their own. So if you're listening to this, just know in the next the next 12 months are all about preparing your parish. How okay. can your parish participate in this effort? And the efforts of the diocese in this first year is to really uh, collect resources and uh, offer uh, experiences and training and communications that will help parishes be yeah. successful in your time. Lay the foundation yeah. for that. Yeah, good. Uh, if you're just joining us, joining us, we're talking to Father Scott Trainer about the National Eucharistic Revival, which will be starting in about a week on June 19th. Um, <clears throat> okay, so if we really, okay, we should really believe that this is really Jesus, the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. So I imagine we shouldn't just trot on to church, go through the line, get the Eucharist, and then go on back to our lives. How should we really be living if this is what we really believe? Mm. You know, uh, Bishop Robert Barron, who's mm-hmm. going to be our new neighboring bishop yeah. in Monona yeah. sometime in, what, July, I think yes. he's getting installed. Um, he talks about three paths of holiness, mm-hmm. and the first one is finding the center. Okay. And what he means is to understand who God is in the reality of my life. Okay. That God created me. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He calls me to intimate and unceasing union with himself. And though I have separated myself from him because of sin, mm-hmm. he has, he so loved me that he gave Jesus his only son that uh, for the forgiveness of our sins and opening for us the gates of eternal life. Mm-hmm. And that calls for a personal response. So right. if I really get who Jesus is as God and Savior, mm-hmm. my Redeemer, mm-hmm. uh, we you know the Catholic faith is a salvation faith. There's right. a need for salvation, and we have a Savior who is Jesus Christ, who is God, and was born of the Virgin Mary, mm-hmm. right? And uh, because he is who he is, that makes all the difference of my life. So that right. when Bishop Barron talks about this path of holiness of finding the center, this is what he means. Okay. If I know who Jesus is and what he's done for me, mm-hmm. um, and I take that seriously, everything else in my life is impacted and influenced by that. There's nothing like, oh, here's my faith and here's the rest of my life. Right. Who right. God is in reality in my life and how I've experienced him makes all the difference in all the other things mm-hmm. in my life. It yep. brings a holy ordering to what do I do on the weekends mm-hmm. and who do I hang out with and what books do what I kind of choices do I make? Where do I spend my time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. what choices do I make or not make? Right. <laughs> right. All those things are influenced because God is who he is and I've been transformed by his redemptive saving love. Mm-hmm. So the blessed sacrament is the sacrament of that redemptive love. Right. The whole saving action of Christ is made present and effective for us at every mass. So to answer your great mm-hmm. question, uh, what should be different if I take 
the, and I should say this, what should we do? I just take a little, like faith is a gift right? to know that what appears to be bread and wine is in fact, Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity to know that his whole saving power is made present and effective for me. So think of Jesus. What do we see in his public ministry? We see the wisdom of his teaching, Mm -hmm. right? That draws so many people. We see, um, his power to heal Mm -hmm. the blind and the lame and, uh, the leprous and everyone else. Right. Uh, we see his power to forgive sins and we Mm -hmm. see his power over evil as he casts out demons. Mm -hmm. We see all of that. And then we see the totality of his love as he freely lays down his life for us. Mm -hmm. All these things we see in Jesus and all of that is made present and effective, like fruitful, impactful for our lives today mm-hmm. at every mass, mm-hmm. right? Right. To know that is a gift of faith. Okay. It's not something that we should just should do. Like I can just make a choice right. like, oh, I wasn't doing this. Now I should do this. Okay. Like, it's not just a, a, a matter of will. Okay. Right. Uh, but it's when I'm, when in faith, I know this reality my life is transformed. Okay. Okay. And so, so what more, does that transform life look like? Yeah. Where are some hallmarks of that? Well, number one, that when I come to mass, uh, I'm coming with a heart full of desire. Okay. What are all the needs I need for salvation in my life today? What do I need for healing? Where is conversion needed in my life? Where do I need to be set free from evil in my life? Where do I know need to know truth in mm-hmm. place of lies? Mm-hmm. What do I need to know what to do instead of what not to do? That mm-hmm. like That's actually going to work out for me instead of whatever idea I've come up with that. <laughs> Isn't working out so well, right. you know? Uh, where do I need that wisdom? Where do I need that healing? Where do I need that conversion? Where do I need that liberation from evil? Uh, I should be walking into mass if I'm alive in faith in the Eucharist with that heart full of uh, expectation and desire. Mm-hmm. I come here with these needs, Lord, and I know you are here to meet those needs. Right, right. right. I should come to mass with a desire as the source and summit of my faith. This is the place of greatest intimacy with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I actually receive communion with him. Uh, one of the great, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the context of this. Uh, one of the great verbs that's associated um, with receiving the Holy Eucharist mm-hmm. is kata metabola. I know it was in St. Uh, Irenaeus, I'm sorry, the Apology of St. Oh, is it? Uh, I wish I could help it. you. I know. I know you do. <laughs> uh, Saint, the the apology of Saint Justin Martyr. There okay, we go. Okay. So he lived in 100. He was martyred in 162. Yes. He was a pagan. He was converted to Christianity when he was 32. He had studied all these schools of philosophy, mm-hmm. but he found the answers to life's big questions in the gospel yep. of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and eventually he gave his life for right. Jesus, right? Right. And he describes, because he wrote letters to the Roman emperor and the Roman senate Mm -hmm. about what do we do on Sundays? What is this worship of these Christians? To try to explain it to him that our faith is rational. What I know by faith, it goes beyond reason, but it's not contrary to reason ever. And so he was trying to explain this in his great philosophical learning to the Roman emperor and like, hey, stop killing the Christians. Like we're not doing (laughs) weird things. We really appreciate that. (laughs) Right? This is a great help. And he says, when we eat the body and blood of Christ, it's not just bread and wine. It's the body and blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what we believe. And we katametabolon, the Eucharist, right? Meaning, that's where we get the word metabolism. Oh, yeah. Okay. And katametabolon means to be metabolized by. So every other food that I eat, I make into me. You know, Mm -hmm. my cheeseburger becomes... Something Mm -hmm. in me, right? You are what you eat, right? (laughs) You are are what you eat, except in the case of the Holy Eucharist. In the case of the Holy Eucharist, 
I am metabolized into Christ. Oh. I'm made a member of him and a partaker of his life. Okay. That's what's happened at the Holy Eucharist, right? I don't think I've ever heard it that way. <laughs> Thank Saint you. St. <laughs> Justin Martyr in 152 was writing that yes. to yes. Uh, the Roman emperors and senate. It's really, really beautiful. Uh, you can find actually find that in yeah. the catechism on uh, the section on the Holy Eucharist. Oh, Anyways, sure. So to know, like, my, if I really believe what the church believes— and I have that gift of faith. And we should all pray every day. Lord, I believe. Mm-hmm. Help my belief. Lord, I believe. Strengthen my faith mm-hmm. right? in these great mysteries. And uh, that's a lot better than shooting ourselves, right? Yes, I agree. Like, you know, like, I oh, agree. I should be the only guy. And my like, should kinda, was I, terrible. I get guilty about that. I'm <laughs> kind of a loser. Because so then we end up with, like, New Year's resolutions, right? Yes. But God, bless me with the gift of faith. We were all given faith in baptism, but that's a gift that can be blessed. Right. And I want to ask for the blessing of that increase of faith. So in that transform life. Mass is the great adventure yes. where I receive the deepest intimacy and communion with Jesus, a one flesh union with him, where I'm actually incorporated into him. I'm metabolized into Christ's sacred body, mm-hmm. right? Uh, everything that's going on in my life that I offer on the altar can be made holy by mm-hmm. the outpouring of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit that reveals Jesus to me and unites me to him. Uh, so, and in being nourished by Christ in his body, blood, soul, and divinity, all his saving grace poured out for me present, effective, impactful for me at every Mass as I receive Holy Communion, uh, I am equipped for my mission in the world Mm -hmm. because apart from him, I can do nothing. So I need to be in communion with him to do anything that's fruitful. Where can I receive that communion? At the Mass. Yes. So that's just scratching the surface, Renee. (laughs) You asked a little question. I I had a big answer. I I knew that the 20 minutes was going to go fast with you, and it did. It always does, but it's always so so great. So can you tell us a, just a little bit quick about the culmination of the revival? You mentioned it Thanks. at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole three-year process, mm-hmm. right? Uh, first year is uh, starting this Corpus Christi, the year of the diocese. Mm-hmm. Next year, Corpus Christi will be the year of the parish. Okay. And then in the summer of 2024, July 17th to 21st, mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, they're going to have a National Eucharistic uh, Congress. Oh, yeah. We have not had a National Eucharistic Congress in the United States and since 1976. Wow. In 1976, who sta- uh, shared the stage at that National Eucharistic Revival? Husband JP2. JP2 and Mother <laughs> Teresa. Oh, wow. St. Okay. John Paul II, Pope John Paul II, the future Pope John yep. Paul II. Carol Oitiwa was there as Cardinal Oitiwa and Mother Teresa. So mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be a World Youth Day scaled event right. in, uh, in Indianapolis. And anyone and everyone can and Come one, should come all. go. Yes. It's going to be an amazing, <laughs> amazing moment of faith in the diocese, in the uh, church in the United States. Yeah. And the point of that is, as this revival is gaining momentum at diocesan and parish levels over these two years, mm-hmm. that this great pilgrimage to come together as the church in the United States at this National Eucharistic Revival will be a moment of commissioning of people— right who really feel called by God to be Eucharistic missionaries in their daily lives. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. So it's going to be catechetical. It's going to be a celebration of the Eucharist. Uh, it's going to, like World Youth Day is, mm-hmm. uh, an amazing gathering of the faithful that's tremendously encouraging, but specifically with Im- the prayers for empowerment to uh, so that people can be intentional about being missionaries of the Holy Eucharist in their daily lives. Right. It's going it to be great. sounds great. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, and... Uh, watch for more information about uh, the Eucharistic Revival in the September issue of the Bishop's Bulletin. We'll have uh, several stories about it so you can learn more. They'll have um, even more things kind of put together by that time. So it'll be really great. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll hear a lot more. Thanks, Father Scott. All right. uh, That is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.